I confess, I never told my mom about the boy in the hammock. She trusted me too much. <laughs> Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based live show featuring smart storytelling and anonymous confessing. Stories heard at Bedpost Confessions, as well as sister shows Unspoken and Confess, all explore themes of humor, vulnerability, and emotional justice on varying topics. No matter the topic, the highlight of any Bedpost Productions is the participation of the audience members sharing their own secrets in the form of anonymous confessions, which are read aloud during the show. So I, uh, I always wanted purple clogs. I know it was the seventies. Don't judge me. Okay. My mom wants to give in my dad. Nah, not so much. Get him cowboy boots. My dad wants a boy. Well, a rough and tumble boy. And I am not a rough and tumble boy. I'm more of a, a song and dance kind of a boy. <laughs> like one of my favorite musicals, Cat says, We've got practical cats, dramatical cats. That's me. I'm a dramatical cat. What can I say? Stage shows, puppet shows, musicals. Look, my mom knows. My dad mostly ignores it, except for those damn cowboy boots. Oh, and the Dallas Cowboys. America's team. Our team. Football pads, helmet, jersey, a blanket with sports logos and teams on it. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Dad, not to me. I, I just wanted purple clogs. You see, we have a civil war in our house. I sleep with my doppelganger Dumbo. I had to grow into these ears. My dad is not a fan of stuffed animals for boys. A minor skirmish. Dad absconds with my little elephant friend. I never see him again. Sleep with this. Go long. Ah, fumble, he says with a familiar disappointment in his voice. He tosses instead a football into my bed. It burrows into my comforter. Lights out. Five-year-old tears moisten my sports team blanket. But you know that blanket is a study guide? I can pretend to know the difference between the Rockets and the Oilers. <laughs> Although it does take me a while to figure out it's the Rockets and not the Rockets. <laughs> but it covers me. It hides me. I'm uh, safe inside the shell it creates. The tide of war shifts in my favor. Dad finally gives up fashioning me into some clone of himself. And for the next few years, I find freedom. Freedom to sing show tunes, wear pink shirts, obviously, previously, forbidden. And I find my voice as a singer. Mom sings along with me. Dad, well, he's just a figure I hardly see anymore. And then, dun-dun-dun, my mom rediscovers her childhood conversion to Christianity. We all get saved and baptized into the Southern Baptist Church. Hallelujah. Dad cuts his hippie locks. Mom buys ankle-length ankle dresses. You know that picture of Jesus, the Jesus Christ superstar, that, that picture of Jesus? Well, that's the one we always knew. Not anymore. My parents were hippies. Jesus is not a hippie. Or Jewish, it would seem. 
Well, we've been saved for a few years now, and our new Jesus is the focus of our family. The complexity of puberty and the discovery of sexual, sexuality is, uh, is tough enough. Add in the Southern Baptist Jesus, a healthy dose of confusing attractions toward boys, fold in no role models, and a, a dash of fear of disappointing God and dad, and not necessarily in that order. And the guilt. <laughs> a lot of guilt. Mix it all together. Talk about a recipe for disaster. But now the dad isn't waging war against my outward appearance or my dislike of anything that involves throwing a ball. You would think that it would be smooth sailing. Like, a, like an all-male gay pride cruise with drag queens singing show tunes or the love boat. Soon we'll be making another run. Again, it was the 70s. Give me some grace here. Unfortunately, my mom's recommitment to the church and my subsequent indoctrination creates a whole new conflict. My struggle moves inward, um, underground. I fight an internal war now. I'm double-minded, a city divided against itself. My subversive thought life engages in conflict on the battlefield of my life. Does, does anybody see me? I mean, really see me? Do they know? Because I'm terrified. I, I'm, I'm terrified that everyone can see straight through me, through the, through the masking I build and refortify daily, because the truth is, I, I'm made of glass. I'm vulnerable. I'm transparent. Why don't they say anything? I mean, I'm guilty. I indulge feelings I should not Look, it's my fault. My sinfulness and shame haunt me. I, I should trust God to change me. But my condition persists. I know. I'll get saved again. Maybe that'll help. Nope. No, actually, I feel worse than ever. And then, well, then it happens. Like a clumsily lit match dropped onto a pile of dry brush. Stamp it out. It's spreading. Put it out. Oh my God, what have I done? Help? Anybody? Motionless. I lie on my back, his hot air breathing on my neck. My arms are pinned above my head. I wince. His head bobs toward me, his mouth agape. His crooked teeth make their mark. It hurts. I'm only 13, and he, he is 19. A game? No, an attack. Look, I know I should scream, I know I should struggle, but I can only dart my eyes away. The, the TV, it plays reruns of an old sitcom. I watch, I hear the canned laughter. His rough hands rip my shorts toward my feet. I say no, but he can't hear me. His voice grovels with a sickening growl. He smells like watermelon. I don't like watermelon anymore. Starts laughing, like laughing louder than the TV. My eyes rebel to look back at him as he gawks at parts of me that only my parents have seen. His free hand, he points and he laughs and he, he says... <laughs> Hairless half inch. I'm a morphing creature. 
half boy, half young man, I'm still growing. My stomach hurts. It's, it's, it's a tightening screw. I, I feel the sting of his words and the pinch of his fingers as they twist my tiny nipple, his hands, dirt under his fingernails, together with his sticky mouth work in tandem. My face burns red. I, hot coals are bursting through every pore. Oh, God. Oh, why is it getting hard? Why can't I make it stop? I'm stuck in third gear, engine revving. Make it stop. It's growing. It's encouraging him. God, maybe this is all my fault. His 19-year-old body spins me like a rag doll, like, a, like his plaything. And face down, he beats me with his closed fist, pounding and pounding and pounding my youthful backside. I am skinny. I am weak. He uses my fear and weakness against me, but... I am smart. I gotta pee. No, no, I'm, I'm seriously about to pee. He loosens his grip long enough that I run, I run to my sanctuary locked behind my parents' bedroom door. I'm shaking. He screams. It echoes. And then silence. calmly knocks on the door and he asks me politely to open as if he were a, a neighbor, a friendly neighbor asking for a cup of sugar. I whisper, no. Oh, the yelling begins again. Ripping the wood frame from the door piece by piece, his anger explodes, ripping and tearing and clawing at the door, a wild animal hunting his prey. And then and then silence again. I crouch down like, a, like an injured animal. I sit alone, naked, hurting in the bottom of my mom's closet. Her pointy shoes are scattered. They poke at me. They, they, they taunt me to cry out, but I don't move. I don't scream. I don't flinch. I sit in agony. The storm has calmed, but but is it safe? Is it safe to come out from my sanctuary? I emerge from the closet to see his six-foot body framed in the bedroom window, but, but he is in the backyard, and I am still safely sequestered. His face is, is veiled in quiet anger. I close the blinds. And I pick up the phone, but he predicts my every move as I dial my friend. He breathes heavily on the phone in the living room. He listens. I talk. I ask her if she can come over and hang out. She can't. The fear inside, it begins building in me like a, like a crescendo. Who will save me? Knock, knock, knock. Bang, bang, bang. Open this door right now. It's the voice of my older sister. My assailant is gone. I stand in the damaged doorway, wrapped in that sports team blanket, covered, but not hidden, wounded, and definitely broken. What did you do? My dad scolds me. His words are a cold bath. I just look straight through him. The TV still plays reruns. They, they, they mock me. I jolt back to hear my mom's opening argument. 
He fought back. Well, at least we know now he's not a faggot, my dad retorts. I drift back to the canned laughter. I laugh too. Not a ha-ha laugh, but like a, like a gurgling up laugh. One tear escapes. The others I damn up. A guard posted, no trespassing. You see, I've already been warned about the evils of sexual activity from my parents and the church. I haven't even dared touch myself yet. I must have sent them signals or oh, they're right to be mad. This has to be my fault. The phone rings. I, I shudder. It's the youth pastor from church. Mom speaks in soft tones. The attack. I don't hear much else. My attacker's name is Buddy. Sure as hell didn't live up to that name. Thought he was going to be my friend. He, he's just graduated from high school, but isn't ready to move on. I guess he's holding on to the final moments of his teen years. He's a visitor. I, I hardly know him. Mom explains to the pastor that Buddy had volunteered to bring me home after our end-of-summer youth watermelon fellowship. Pastor says to me, now, Scott, this boy made a mistake. Got a little out of hand. Let's not, let's not make more of this than we need to. I shower again. But it, it doesn't wipe it away. The bruises and bite marks remain, and the slice into my soul is a gaping wound. Everyone else moves on. But I am still here in the bottom of my mom's closet, bleeding out my refuge, my sanctuary, my, my prison. It takes me many years to find my way out of that closet. My dad eventually moves from purposeful ignorance to informed tolerance, but not acceptance. I guess he has to grieve the loss of his dream, too. My mom, she leaves my dad for a girlfriend, <laughs> which she says that her mom had also done in 1953. Go figure. My savior of a sister has 11 kids. 11. Yeah, she's still bursting through doors and trying to save the world. Well, not me. <laughs> she and her Jesus don't like the gays. But you know, through it all, the attack has been left unspoken for over 30 years until now. And you know what? As it turns out, it wasn't my fault after all. Bed Post Confessions is produced by Julie Gillis, Mia Martina, and Sadie Smythe. Audio production is by Ian Danskin. Confess with us at bedpostconfessions.com. Until next time, we will leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, I may sometimes crop dust my students. <laughs> and then, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, Who hasn't done that? And Come then, on. And then, 
and then uh, blame it on a three-year-old. Yes, of course you do. Has Oops. any farting is the best thing ever? <laughs> Who has not farted on someone? Everybody's <laughs> farted on somebody. Oh, let's just all fart right now. Let it out. You haven't lived oh. until you have farted on someone. I know.